The ACB Braille Forum, Volume 55, July 2016, Number 1, published by the American Council of the Blind, read by Bart Morse in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, Contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB, 6300 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 195, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 605-475-8154 and choose option 3. Tune in to ACB Radio at www.acbradio.org or by calling 605-475-8130. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at at ACBNATIONAL or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Copyright 2016 American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director. Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents President's Message, J.P. Morgan Chase, slash ACB Leadership Fellows, by Kim Charlson. Further currency delays raise concerns. Staying Connected in Minneapolis by Janet Dickelman. Does VR agency structure matter? A review of the research on outcomes for the blind and visually impaired consumers served in separate versus combined agencies. Journeying Inside the Mind by Larry P. Johnson Riding with Joy Turn Life's Journey into a Joy Ride by Larry P. Johnson My Journey Toward Winning Friends and Influencing Others by Kelsey Nicolay 
Why I Included ACB in My Estate Plans by Dan Dillon Affiliate News Letter to the Editor Here and There, edited by Sharon Strakowski High-Tech Swap Shop Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, slovering at acb.org. Give her the information, and she'll make the changes for you. Want to hear the Convention General Sessions, the Candidates Forum, the Showcase, or the Banquet as they happen? Go to www.acbradio.org slash m-a-i-n-s-t-r-e-a-m. ACB Radio's main menu is the talk of the town when it comes to technology. Check it out at acbradio.org. President's Message J.P. Morgan Chase, ACB Leadership Fellows, by Kim Charlson. As ACB approaches its 55th annual conference and convention, we are placing more emphasis as an organization on investing in the development of new leadership talent for the future. A special grant from J.P. Morgan Chase, JPMC, is allowing ACB to offer a program which will bring eight ACB members with recognized leadership potential to the July 2016 National Conference and Convention in Minneapolis. These individuals needed to satisfy three basic criteria, be 18 years of age or older, be blind or visually impaired, and be members in good standing of ACB. Each applicant had to be recommended by the president of their respective affiliate. The application process for the JPMC-ACB Leadership Fellows included the submission of two letters of recommendation and participating in a telephone screening interview with the DKM committee. Areas considered in the selection process included the applicant's reasons for applying for the leadership award, a brief summary of the applicant's education and relevant experience, number of years of membership in ACB, as well as previous conventions attended, if any, description of one's role as a leader, and an assessment of what one feels they bring to ACB. All award recipients receive round-trip transportation, hotel accommodation, double occupancy, per diem stipend for meals and incidentals, convention registration fee, and reception and banquet tickets. Recipients are expected to attend the convention from the opening session Sunday evening, July 3, through the Friday evening banquet, July 8, and to participate actively in all convention activities, including the daily general sessions, special interest presentations, seminars, and workshops. I would like to introduce you to the Class of 2016 JPMC-ACB Leadership Fellows. Debbie Dethridge, Louisville, Kentucky. Debbie works at LC Industries and is active in the Kentucky Council of the Blind, including serving as the president of the Greater Louisville Chapter. She is active in the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association and presently serves as its first vice president.
Debbie is also active in lionism, serving as second vice president of the Louisville East Lions Club. Deanne Elliott, Cambridge, Massachusetts Deanne has been a member of the Bay State Council of the Blind, BSCB, since 2008. In 2011, she joined the Consumer Advisory Board for the Perkins Library and now serves as its chair. Seven years ago, Deanne partnered with a guide dog from the Seeing Eye and served a two-year term as Secretary of Guide Dog Users of Massachusetts. She is now serving as the chair of the BSCB Legislative Committee. Kim Herbert, Lafayette, Louisiana Kim has served as treasurer for the Acadiana Area Council of the Blind, Incorporated, and is very involved with fundraising. She received the Vernon Daigle Award for service to the Louisiana Council of the Blind, LCB, and ACB at the national level. She currently serves as LCB Second Vice President. Debbie Cook Lewis, Seattle, Washington Debbie works at the Department of Services for the Blind, DSB, and serves as liaison to the Washington State Rehabilitation Council, SRC. Additionally, she is employed by the University of Washington Center on Technology and Disability Studies. Through contractual arrangements, she manages the DSB Independent Living Program, administers the I Can Connect Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program, and much more. She serves as a board member of Guide Dog Users of Washington State, GDUWS. She also serves as treasurer of the Washington Council of the Blind. Miguel Mike Palomar, El Paso, Texas. Mike has been a member of ACB, ACB of Texas, and the El Paso Council of the Blind for several years. He serves as the Vice President of the El Paso Council of the Blind. He was the 2015 recipient of the ACB of Texas Ed and Linda Bradley First Timer Award. He is presently employed by the Ready One Industries Call Center in El Paso. Sandra Spalletta, Rockville, Maryland Sandra is active in the District of Columbia Council of the Blind, DCCB and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, AAVL. She serves on the boards of DCCB, AAVL, the Out of Sight Dragons, OSD, Dragon Boat Team, and the Washington Volunteer Readers for the Blind, WVRB. She took on the responsibility of establishing the DCCB website, D-C-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E, blind.org, which has now been in existence for slightly over a year. She is a practicing attorney, graduating with a law degree from Harvard University. She is one of the three principals and a managing member of BW Realty Advisors, LLC, which provides structured financing advice for complex commercial real estate projects. Mika White, Federal Way, Washington. Mika is the editor of the Washington Council of the Blind, WCB, quarterly newsletter, The Newsline. She also serves as the event coordinator for the Regional Braille Challenge and is an invaluable member of the WCB Leadership Committee. She also serves as WCB 
first vice president. Mika does all of the above while working 40 hours a week at the Seattle Lighthouse for the Blind. Sheila Young, Orlando, Florida Sheila has served as vice president, then president, for four years and is currently the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind treasurer. She has served on several Florida Council of the Blind state committees, including the host committee for the National Conference and Convention when it was held in Orlando in 2009. She is also the president of the Friends of Library Access, Incorporated, the organization that supports the Talking Book Library in Daytona Beach. She works full-time for Orange County Public Schools as a paraprofessional, working with visually impaired, blind, and multi-handicapped students. I congratulate all of these talented individuals and thank them for the contributions they have already made and for the many more important things all of them will do in the future. Thank you also to J.P. Morgan Chase for their ongoing support of ACB. Further Currency Delays Raise Concerns Alexandria, Virginia, May 16, 2016 The American Council of the Blind, ACB, expresses deep concern and disappointment over continued delays by the U.S. Department of the Treasury, which recently reported further delays of accessible tactile paper currency to as late as 2026. ACB is extremely upset that shortfalls in security and anti-counterfeiting measures will likely push back the country's first accessible paper currency an additional six years from prior projections, said Kim Charlson, ACB's president. If our country can create a space program and put a man on the moon in less than nine years, the government should be able to figure out how to make paper currency both secure and accessible in less than twice that time. The U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia ruled in 2008 that paper currency in the United States was in violation of Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Under Section 504, all federal government programs and practices must be accessible to people with disabilities. The suit, first filed in 2002 by ACB and resolved in 2008, was seen as a great victory for Americans who are blind. The previous projection was 7 to 10 years out for the accessible currency circulation. However, in recent years, it was further pushed back to 2020. It is critical the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, along with the Federal Reserve, must overcome this setback as quickly as possible, Charlson said. We call on the Anti-Counterfeiting Deterrence Committee to work both judiciously and expeditiously in order to regain valuable time that has been lost. Staying Connected in Minneapolis by Janet Dickelman Many of you will be reading this article as you are packing for Minneapolis, the land of 10,000 lakes, which during Convention Week will be transformed to the land of 10,000 dreams. For those of you who are still thinking about attending the convention, it isn't too late. Don't miss out on the outstanding general sessions, informative seminars and programming, the fabulous tours, and the excitement of the exhibit hall. You can still book a room at the Hyatt, the home of the 55th Annual Conference and Convention. 
Reservation details are shown at the end of this article. Conference and convention dates are July 1st through 9th. Read on for information for both convention attendees and for those of you who will be staying connected from home. For those of you who are still thinking about attending the convention, on-site convention registration is just $25. If you are in the Minneapolis area and plan to come for just one day, you can purchase a one-day pass for $5. Staying in touch from home. For those of you who will be unable to attend this year, there are many ways to be a part of the excitement. ACB Radio. Stay connected with everything that is going on from the comfort of your home or office. Note, all times shown are central time. Be a part of the excitement of opening session. Listen to all the speakers and follow ACB business and elections. General sessions begin Sunday evening, July 3, at 7 p.m. and run Monday through Thursday, 8.30 a.m. until noon, and Friday from 8.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. Also on ACB Radio, hear what the candidates for ACB office have to say as they answer questions at the Candidates Forum, Tuesday, July 5th, at 5.45 p.m. Hear all the great performances from the Friends in Art Showcase on Tuesday evening at 8. Tune in and listen to ACB's banquet, including the speaker, presentation of awards, and announcement of the ACB Braille Forum raffle winners on Friday, July 8th at 7 p.m. Once again this year, ACB Radio will be broadcasting one afternoon session live. All live broadcasts will be on ACB Radio Mainstream. Other ACB committee sessions will be recorded and broadcast later in the day on ACB Radio Live Event. No computer? No problem. You can listen to ACB Radio over the telephone by calling 605-475-8130. Remember that long-distance rates apply. Convention Announce Email List To subscribe to the Convention Announce List, just send a blank email to acbconvention S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E at acb.org. Convention Newspaper Keep up with what's going on at the convention with the Minneapolis Messenger, our convention newspaper. It will be published Saturday, July 2 through Thursday, July 7th. The newspaper will be posted to the convention announce list. Social Media Follow the latest goings-on at the convention on Facebook and Twitter. To follow us on Twitter, go to www.twitter.com slash acbnational or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash a-m-e-r-i-c-a-n C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L Coming to Minneapolis For those who will be in Minneapolis, make sure to visit the ACB Information Desk, where you will find material in Braille, large print, and computer downloads. 
hotel orientation, local business information, and, of course, the convention newspaper are just some of the items that will be waiting for you. All information will be available in large print, braille, and downloadable formats. Whether you are in Minneapolis or staying connected with us from home, I hope you have a wonderful convention experience. Feel free to contact me anytime during the convention. You can either leave a message for me at the Hyatt or call my cell phone, 651-428-5059. I look forward to seeing you in Minneapolis. Hotel Details Room rates at the Hyatt Regency Minneapolis are $89 single or double plus tax. There is an additional $10 per night charge per person for up to four people in a room. Applicable state and local taxes are currently 13.4%. To make reservations by telephone, call Central Reservations at 1-888-421-1442 and be sure to mention that you are attending the ACB convention in order to obtain our room rate. To make reservations online, visit www.acb.org and follow the 2016 convention link. Convention Contacts 2016 Exhibit Information Michael Smitherman, 601-331-7740 AMDUO at B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net 2016 Advertising and Sponsorships Marjorie Beeman, 512-921-1625 OLEO, numerals 50, at H-O-T-M-A-I-L dot com For any other convention-related questions, contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, at 651-428-5059 or via email janet.dickelman at gmail.com Does VR agency structure matter? A review of the research on outcomes for blind and visually impaired consumers served in separate versus combined agencies. Research Takeaway Across multiple studies, separate agencies were found to serve a higher proportion of socially disadvantaged individuals, but scored as well as, if not better than, combined agencies on key outcome measures, such as competitive employment rates. Reprinted from the Mississippi State University National Rehabilitation and Training Center blog. In 1920, Legislation was signed into law, creating the first civilian vocational rehabilitation VR agencies. These early VR agencies served very few blind consumers. Instead, most individuals with blindness or visual impairments, BVI, sought services from separate non-governmental organizations. As service delivery for individuals with BVI evolved, more states created VR agencies focused specifically on serving individuals with BVI, referred to as separate or blind agencies. As of 2011, there were 24 separate agencies serving individuals with BVI. 
Instead of maintaining separate agencies, many states operate combined agencies that serve consumers of all disability types. Separate and combined agencies can take on many different forms. In general, separate agencies are those that have their own administrator, budget, spending authority, and plan for provision of services. Some separate agencies restrict services to consumers with the most severe BVI. In those cases, consumers with less severe impairments are served by the state's general VR agency. Combined agencies may have a division dedicated to consumers with BVI, or they may take a more general approach to service delivery. For example, Consumers with BVI may be served by the same personnel that serve consumers with all other disabilities. The existence of separate agencies has been a source of controversy. Opponents of separate agencies consider them to be expensive, duplicative, and potentially unfair to individuals with other disabilities. Instead of maintaining separate agencies, opponents suggest that separate agencies be absorbed into combined agencies. On the other hand, many consumer groups, advocates, and professionals in the field of blindness promote the maintenance of separate blind agencies. They believe that individuals with BVI have unique needs that can best be served by dedicated agencies. Several research studies from the NRTC have examined services provided by separate and combined agencies. In general, our findings support the maintenance of separate agencies for individuals with BVI. Research-based answers to frequently asked questions can be found below. Do separate and combined agencies serve different consumer populations? Multiple studies have found that in general, Separate agencies serve consumers who are more socially and economically disadvantaged. Overall, consumers of separate agencies are more likely to have more severe vision loss, be Hispanic, have less than a high school diploma, have a secondary disability, be female, receive public assistance. In general, the population served by separate agencies contains a higher percentage of consumers who would be considered at higher risk for unemployment due to their socio-demographic characteristics, such as lower levels of education and the presence of secondary disabilities. How does service provision differ between separate and combined agencies? When served by a separate agency, legally blind consumers typically receive more services and spend more time in VR. This finding is not surprising, given that separate agency consumers are more likely to be economically disadvantaged, have less education, or have a secondary disability. Separate agencies are more likely than combined agencies to provide their consumers with adjustment services, on-the-job training, and counseling guidance services. Costs in separate agencies are slightly higher than costs in combined agencies, and this may be due to a number of factors. Separate agencies tend to serve a more at-risk population who may require more services. Separate agencies deliver more services per consumer. And separate agencies' consumers tend to spend a longer time in VR. 
It is also important to note that although separate agencies may have greater expenditures, this does not speak to the question of cost effectiveness, which also takes outcomes into consideration. It may be that given the more at-risk population they serve, separate agencies are just as or more cost-effective than their combined agency peers. Do consumers served in separate and combined agencies have different outcomes? Consumers served in separate agencies are more likely to achieve competitive employment, have higher levels of weekly earnings at closure, report that income earnings at closure are their primary source of support rather than public assistance. Separate agencies close more clients in competitive employment and self-employment and close fewer clients as homemakers or unpaid family workers. When Social Security Disability Insurance, SSDI, recipients are served by separate agencies, they are more likely to achieve employment than those served in combined agencies. The positive impact of separate agencies was especially evident for older SSDI recipients. Rates of employment in combined agencies dropped off sharply for consumers over age 60. In contrast, consumers of a similar age served in separate agencies were more likely to achieve competitive employment, and this higher employment rate did not diminish as consumers grew older. Should separate agencies be maintained? Findings from multiple research sources support the continued existence of separate agencies for the following reasons. Separate agencies serve a consumer population that is more economically and socially at risk for poor employment outcomes. For example, individuals who are the most significantly disabled. Consumers of separate agencies are more likely to have lower levels of education and higher levels of secondary disabilities and public assistance receipt. When compared with combined agencies, separate agencies provide more services at only a slightly higher cost. Consumers served in separate agencies are more likely to achieve competitive employment. Learn more. Kavanaugh, B.S., 1999, Relationship of Agency Structure and Client Characteristics to Rehabilitation Services and Outcomes for Consumers Who Are Blind. Available for download, http colon slash slash blind dot msstate dot edu slash research slash nrtc hyphen publications slash d-o-w-n-l-o-a-d slash Kavanaugh B.S. 2010 An Update on Services and Outcomes of Blind and Visually Impaired Consumers Served in Separate and General Combined VR Agencies Available for Download HTTP colon slash slash B-L-I-N-D dot M-S-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U slash R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H slash N-R-T-C hyphen 
P-U-B-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S slash D-O-W-N-L-O-A-D slash. Kavanaugh, B.S., Geeson, J.M., and Pierce, S.J., 2000. Rehabilitation of Visually Impaired Persons in Separate and General Agencies. Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness, 943-133-145. Geeson, J.M., and Kavanaugh, B.S., 2013. Disability Insurance Beneficiaries with Visual Impairments in Vocational Rehabilitation. Sociodemographic Influences on Employment. Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness. 107-6-453-467. Available for download. HTTP colon slash slash blind dot ms s-t-a-t-e dot e-d-u slash r-e-s-e-a-r-c-h slash n-r-t-c hyphen p-u-b-l-i-c-a-t-i-o-n-s slash numerals 2011 hyphen 2015 slash Journeying Inside the Mind by Larry P. Johnson Reprinted from the San Antonio Express News, March 5, 2016. Editor's Note Larry Johnson is an author and motivational speaker. You can contact him via email at larjo1 at prodigy dot net or visit his website at www. M-E-X-I-C-O-B-Y-T-O-U-C-H dot com. End of note. Over the course of my 80-plus years, I have been asked hundreds of questions about my blindness. Some of them have been, to me, embarrassingly trivial, like, how do you brush your teeth, feed yourself, tie your shoes? But if I perceive that the person asking these questions has a genuine interest, I will take the time to patiently explain, because they possibly may know someone who is blind who has not yet mastered these simple tasks. Other questions may relate to travel, technology, or information access. What special assistance do you require when traveling to another city? Do you use a smartphone or a computer? What is different about them? How do you keep up with what's going on at city council or in Congress? The truth is that sometimes I think we're better off not knowing. Smile. Then occasionally, an intelligent young person will pose some very provocative questions, which will cause me to pause and really go inside my mind to find the answers. Such was the case not long ago, when an art student named Cheryl, the granddaughter of a friend, put forward the following queries. As a blind person, what are some intangible concepts that you would like to experience? My answer to her was, For those of us who have no or very limited vision, it is difficult for us to perceive the magnitude and beauty of horizons, sunsets, sunrises, stars, and rainbows. Their vastness and kaleidoscopic brilliance I find impossible to comprehend. Her next question was, what are some objects that you have had interaction with but not experienced? Like the inside of a light bulb, 
You can hold the actual bulb, but not the light or the filament that produces the light. Well, Cheryl, actually, it is quite easy to feel the inside of a light bulb. All you have to do is smash the glass, and I have done that. There are, however, other things, like fireworks, a dance performance, or an air show, which are more difficult to be fully experienced by a blind person. Her third question, What is something that you haven't been able to experience to its fullest? Ah, there are so many. A Russian ballet, the view from an airplane flying over the countryside, the brilliantly beautiful geometry of a cut diamond, a Rembrandt painting, the magic and mystery shown in a loved one's eyes. Her final question, which revealed her having some prior knowledge of blind people via her grandpa, what are some things that you experience but in a completely different way than that of sighted people? I replied, blind people see best through touch, so I believe we perceive more appreciate more and can enjoy more the tactile aspects of a handmade quilt, the soft silkiness of a kitten, the intricate design, shape, and texture of a piece of sculpture. I hope that these responses to Cheryl were helpful, and I hope that they may also provide you with a better understanding and perspective of how I, as a blind person, see the world. Yes, that's how I see it. Riding with Joy From early childhood, Jack Wood found true joy while on the back of a horse. Traveling to his grandparents' farm, Jack quickly grew to love the beauty, grace, and kindness he found in these magnificent creatures. Jack says, I love the thrill of getting on a 1,000-pound animal and controlling it completely the thrill of leading a group of new riders on another adventure through the wild never gets old or tedious. This joy of freedom is compounded by the fact that Jack has been blind since birth. This passion has led Jack to build a company called Unbridled Joy that provides therapeutic riding lessons for those who are visually impaired, autistic, or have muscular dystrophy. While his business grew, Jack was plagued with injuries and challenges that came from unseen obstacles on horseback, resulting in an all-too-often bloody face from a low-hanging tree branch. After one too many of these occurrences, Jack looked into assistive technology for a solution and came across sonar glasses by G-Technology Group. Using sonar technology to detect nearby objects, the glasses allowed unbridled joy to continue its mission with a fresh sense of security for its riders. The biggest misconception people have about sonar glasses is that you need strong mobility skills before effectively using the glasses, and that's silly, Jack said. Sonar glasses have changed the way I help people, and I use them on every ride. Today, Jack's dream is a reality. He welcomes any interested riders to visit and try his horseback riding programs, located on a historic farm in Warrenton, Virginia. You can reach him by phone at 571-606-5982. Email him at bljack1 at 
E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-K.net or visit his website www.unbridledjoy.org For more information about sonar glasses, contact Maggie McBride via email mmcbride at g-t-e-c-h-n-o-l-o-g-y-g-r-o-u-p.com Turn Life's Journey into a Joyride by Larry P. Johnson Reprinted from the San Antonio Express News, August 8, 2015 Editor's Note Larry Johnson is a motivational speaker and author. Contact him at L-A-R-J-O numeral 1 at P-R-O-D-I-G-Y dot net or visit his website at www.mexicobytouch.com Do you ever say to yourself, Oh, if only I could... Is there some place in the world you would love to visit? A language you've been wanting to learn? An adventure you wish you could experience? A hobby you've been wanting to start? Do you have dreams yet unfulfilled? How much of your life is filled with regret, with the wistful longing to turn back the hands of time and make different choices? Do you worry and fret over the decisions that you have made or not made? Bronnie Ware is an Australian nurse who spent several years working in palliative care with patients in the last 12 weeks of their lives. She recorded her observations in a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. When questioned about any regrets they had or anything they would do differently, she says, there was one theme that surfaced again and again. They said, I wish I had had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. When people realized that their life was almost over, she says, and looked back on it, they saw how many of their dreams had gone unfulfilled. There was a wonderful movie that came out in 2007 called The Bucket List, directed by Rob Reiner, starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, a story about two terminally ill men who escaped from a cancer ward and head off on a road trip with a wish list, a bucket list, of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. I am all in favor of creating a bucket list, a list of all those special things we want to do, feel, experience, see, and achieve before we die. And once we have written down our bucket list, it's important that we get busy and start doing them, for nobody knows how soon the Grim Reaper may come knocking at our door. What would you write on your bucket list? What are those innermost wishes that you keep hidden away? Imagine how gloriously happy it would make you feel to have those wishes come true. Ware says that another of the top five regrets of the dying was, I wish that I had let myself be happier. She writes that many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. And she is right. A while back, a friend passed along to me this wonderful quote attributed to an octogenarian from Seattle named Mavis Lyrer. She said, 
Life's journey is not to arrive at the grave safely in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, totally worn out, shouting, What a ride! And that's how I see it. My Journey Toward Winning Friends and Influencing Others by Kelsey Nicolay As a college graduate with a degree in communication, I thought I was prepared for the workplace. Over a year out and still unemployed, I decided to listen to the encouragement of my cousin, who was a training consultant for Dale Carnegie, to go through their program. He told me that even though I had solid communication skills, I would still benefit from the course. It was a difficult decision, partly because I would have to depend on my family to transport me. After much thought, my dad and I decided that I should go through the program since I would acquire skills to prepare me to handle the stress and challenges of the workplace. In addition, the course served as an opportunity to network with the other participants in order to help me gain employment. Prior to the talk with my cousin, I did not know much about the program. I knew that it had something to do with public speaking. At first, the staff felt they would be comfortable having me in class. I can handle it, said Elaine Dwyer, Dale Carnegie instructor, when informed by my cousin, a consultant for the program, that I would be enrolling in her course. Due to company policy, I was not given the name of my instructor, so I was not able to communicate with him or her ahead of time. The training consultant had to facilitate the entire enrollment process, including the initial discussion with the trainer. I felt more confident knowing my instructor would be able to accommodate my learning needs. The first class was an orientation. The participants were introduced to the Dale Carnegie program, the areas of instruction, etc. Students were also introduced to some basic skills, such as self-introduction techniques. Each student was then asked to practice these skills in front of the class. My classmates were willing to help me move around when needed. During the first few classes, the students were introduced to fundamental communication skills, such as name recognition, conversation starting, etc. The majority of this instruction was oral, Therefore, all the participants were expected to memorize the sequences or sayings without having them written down. However, at times a participant manual was used. I was able to obtain an electronic copy, which I could pull up in class as needed. I was able to locate the other books on Bookshare, so I could read them independently between classes. At times, when materials were not available electronically, I asked a family member to serve as a reader. As the course progressed, there were some aspects which presented some challenges. For example, during one class, the instructor made up actions to go with the story in the book with which the students were asked to become familiar. The purpose of adding the actions was to help students add enthusiasm to their communication. Neither I nor the instructor considered how I would participate. Therefore, she asked one of the graduate assistants to try to describe what she was doing, but the graduate assistant could not describe the actions fast enough. Once the class learned the story with the actions, the students were asked to perform it in small groups. 
I did not do the actions. Instead, I was able to participate by helping to recite the words. I realized I should have followed up with you, Ms. Dwyer said after the class that night. From this experience, we learned that it is important to anticipate challenges and plan accordingly. During a later class, the students were asked to learn several silly skits to demonstrate being flexible with change. This time, the instructor and I talked about the best way to handle the situation. We both agreed that having me work with another person would be the best way for me to participate fully. The person I worked with verbally described what the instructor was doing while she was demonstrating the skit to the class. When the class was learning the skit, my partner would physically guide me through the routine. Once again, the class performed the skit in small groups. My partner helped me perform my assigned skit with my group. I felt more comfortable with this method since I could feel what the motions felt like. As part of the course, each participant was required to give a weekly talk. The talks focused on gaining cooperation with others, demonstrating leadership, and enhancing relationships. During my speeches, I focused on dealing with the Vocational Rehabilitation Agency and how I applied the principles learned in class to help me get the service I need. My classmates were not familiar with the system, but after listening to my talks, they had a better understanding of some of the difficulties I faced. Although I had some difficulties in some areas, I was much more comfortable in other areas, particularly learning things by rote. For example, during one class period, the instructor wrote a saying on the board. I asked my neighbor what she was writing, and she quietly whispered it to me. The instructor went through the saying out loud, but having my neighbor whisper it to me ahead of time helped to solidify it in my memory. Therefore, it was easier to repeat the saying individually when the students were asked to do so later in the class period. Before I knew it, it was graduation night, a night in which all our accomplishments would be recognized. Each student was required to give a final talk in order to receive his or her certificate. Prior to each participant's speech, the instructor talked briefly about each participant, mentioning a highlight from his or her talk. I was a little nervous at first, but when it was my turn to speak, I stood up and confidently gave my speech. When I finished speaking, my family came up to present me my certificate as the other participants' families had done. In the end, my family and I decided that the process was worth it, even though they had to drive me there and back every week. My advice to readers is that if a Dale Carnegie class is offered in your area, do not hesitate to participate. The skills you learn will help you in every aspect of life. Why I Included ACB in My Estate Plans by Dan Dillon Why did you join the American Council of the Blind, ACB? I joined ACB because I wanted to do whatever I could to help make this world a better place for blind and visually impaired people to live. I decided to include ACB in my will so that I could continue to support the good work of ACB even after I was gone. Most people don't want to talk about estate planning because it means we are talking about someone's death. Don't procrastinate. 
None of us know what the future holds. If you feel passionate about ACB's mission and wish to make a lasting difference, I suggest that you see a lawyer soon and craft a will that includes the American Council of the Blind. Please be sure to communicate your intentions to ACB. Most people leave any assets they might have to their children, which is most laudable. But there's still plenty of room for a percentage of your estate to be left to ACB. Ironically, most people don't appreciate the size of their assets and are surprised that, at the end, there is plenty to go around. I commend so many of you out there who have given so much of your time, talent, and treasure to this wonderful organization. This is an easy way for you to keep on giving after you're gone, perpetuating a legacy that is consistent with your strong beliefs and passion to improve the lives of blind people in future generations. After I'm gone, I'll be singing with Brenda in the choir of angels up in heaven, while at the same time, I'll still be doing what I can do to make this world a better place for blind and visually impaired people here on earth via my bequest to ACB. If you have questions or would like to discuss your wishes confidentially in greater detail, please contact Tom Tobin, ACB's Director of Development, at 1-800-424-8666, extension 5, or via email, ttobin at acb.org. Affiliate News ACB Ohio Scholarships The American Council of the Blind of Ohio offers six scholarships each academic year. The application and reference forms may be downloaded using the links below or can be requested by calling 614-221-6688 or 1-800-835-2226. The scholarships are as follows. Friends of Freshman Scholarship, $1,000, offered to an incoming college freshman who is blind or visually impaired. Max Edelman Scholarship, $2,000, offered to a legally blind undergraduate student in any field of study. David Newmeyer Scholarship, $2,000, offered to a legally blind undergraduate student in any field of study. Joanne Fisher Scholarship, $2,500, offered to a legally blind graduate student in any field of study. Linwood Walker Scholarship, $2,500, offered to a legally blind graduate student in a service-related field, e.g. teaching, health, public administration, etc. NOLA Webb McKinney Scholarship, $2,000, offered to a blind or sighted graduate or undergraduate student pursuing a degree in a blindness-related area, e.g. special education, rehabilitation, teaching or counseling, orientation and mobility, or concentrating in programs serving persons who are blind or visually impaired. Applicants must meet the following criteria. Be an Ohio resident or attend an Ohio school in a two-year or more post-secondary degree program. Be legally blind. Accept the NOLA Webb McKinney Scholarship. Have a 3.0 or higher GPA on a 4.0 scale. 
and be willing to attend the 2016 ACBO Convention's Saturday workshops. Past scholarship recipients may reapply. A current scholarship application must be completed each year to be considered. In addition to the application, applicants must provide three letters of reference, an official transcript, and a current I report. The degree of financial need is not the sole determinant in the selection process. All scholarship winners are required to attend Saturday workshops during the annual ACBO convention to be held October 21 to 23, 2016. The cost of the convention, including meals, workshops, and hotel accommodations, is covered for each recipient. We also cover the cost of lunch on Saturday for two guests per scholarship recipient. To download the application, visit www.acbohio.org slash c-o-n-v-e-n-t-i-o-n slash s-c-h-o-l-a-r-s-h-i-p-s slash r-e-q-u-i-r-e-m-e-n-t-s dot h-t-m-l. Completed application packets should be mailed no later than August 1 to ACB Ohio Scholarship Committee, 3805 North High Street, Suite 305, Columbus, Ohio, 43214, or emailed to acbo.scholarships at gmail.com. Letter to the Editor The contents of this column reflect the letters we had received by the time we went to press, June 3, 2016. Letters are limited to 300 words or fewer. All submissions must include the author's name and location. Opinions expressed are those of the authors. Errors in Article on Minnesota Culture I was totally dismayed to read in the ACB Braille Forum the population figures given for Minnesota in the article Minnesota Land of Many Cultures, which stated that Minnesota's population is 321.4 million. The source given for this fact was www.census.gov slash q-u-i-c-k-f-a-c-t-s slash t-a-b-l-e. This figure actually was for the entire U.S. population. The estimated 2015 population for Minnesota is just under 5.5 million. Also, in talking about the cultural makeup of Minnesota, the writer totally ignored the very strong presence of the Scandinavian and German cultures, which combined make up 47% of the population of Minnesota. According to the American Community Survey of the U.S. Census, in 2009, there were 868,361 self-described Norwegians, making up 12% of the state's population, and about 500,000 people who identified as Swedish, 7% of Minnesotans. Combined, that's 1.3 million, or 19% of the population who are Scandinavian. In addition, 28%, or 1,987,491 Minnesotans, said they were German. 
Some 600,000 Minnesotans, about 9%, describe themselves as Irish, and about 4%, or 262,000, said they are Polish Minnesotans. Norwegians first came to the United States in the mid-1800s because of a combination of poor farming conditions and overpopulation. After the potato famine had the Irish fleeing to America, the farming crisis had Norwegians fleeing in droves, too. They first settled in Illinois and Wisconsin, and before long they moved to Minnesota, seeking cheap, available land. Not only have the Norwegians given us lefse, lutefisk, and dried mutton, they've also given us Walter Mondale, Robert Bly, and Ufda. Larry Johnson, San Antonio, Texas Letter to the Editor The contents of this column reflect the letters we had received by the time we went to press, June 3, 2016. Letters are limited to 300 words or fewer. All submissions must include the author's name and location. Opinions expressed are those of the authors. Errors in Article on Minnesota Culture I was totally dismayed to read in the ACB Braille Forum the population figures given for Minnesota in the article Minnesota Land of Many Cultures, which stated that Minnesota's population is 321.4 million. The source given for this fact was www.census.gov slash q-u-i-c-k-f-a-c-t-s slash t-a-b-l-e. This figure actually was for the entire U.S. population. The estimated 2015 population for Minnesota is just under 5.5 million. Also, in talking about the cultural makeup of Minnesota, the writer totally ignored the very strong presence of the Scandinavian and German cultures, which combined make up 47% of the population of Minnesota. According to the American Community Survey of the U.S. Census, in 2009, there were 868,361 self-described Norwegians, making up 12% of the state's population, and about 500,000 people who identified as Swedish, 7% of Minnesotans. Combined, that's 1.3 million, or 19% of the population who are Scandinavian. In addition, 28%, or 1,987,491 Minnesotans, said they were German. Some 600,000 Minnesotans, about 9%, described themselves as Irish, and about 4%, or 262,000, said they are Polish Minnesotans. Norwegians first came to the United States in the mid-1800s because of a combination of poor farming conditions and overpopulation. After the potato famine had the Irish fleeing to America, the farming crisis had Norwegians fleeing in droves, too. They first settled in Illinois and Wisconsin, and before long they moved to Minnesota, seeking cheap, available land. Not only have the Norwegians given us lefse, lutefisk, and dried mutton, they've also given us Walter Mondale, Robert Bly, and Ufda. Larry Johnson, San Antonio, Texas Here and There Edited by Sharon Strakowski
The announcement of products and services in this column does not reflect an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACB Braille Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to slovering at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Hadley welcomes new president. After ten years with Chuck Young at the helm, Hadley welcomed Julie Tai as its new president. Her first day was June 1st. Julie's leadership experience in running an organization with a comparable number of students enrolled to Hadley and the fact that she oversaw the development and implementation of a similarly sized distance education program elevated her above the other candidates. Her extensive fundraising experience also weighed heavily in the board's decision. Julie was not seeking a job change when she first learned of Hadley's available presidential position. However, it was Hadley's stellar reputation, coupled with the fit of the position description, which led her to apply. Hadley's brand promise of educating for life is extremely energizing, and playing a role in delivering on that promise will be so personally fulfilling, Julie said. Enable Savings Plan Launched Nebraska State Treasurer Don Stenberg and First National Bank of Omaha recently informed us that the Enable Savings Plan will launch nationwide on June 30. The Enable Savings Plan provides individuals with disabilities an affordable, simple, and straightforward opportunity for financial independence. Account owners can save for their future in tax-free savings accounts and pay for everyday expenses. The plan will be available to individuals with disabilities living in any state in the United States. The Enable Savings Plan will provide a range of comprehensive options for families to save. Key features include risk-based growth, moderate, and conservative allocation investment options, an FDIC-insured bank savings option, and a checking account option with debit card capability coming in fall 2016. The Nebraska ABLE Act was approved by the legislature and signed into law on May 28, 2015, following action by the U.S. Congress. In December 2014, Congress enacted Section 529A of the Internal Revenue Code, allowing for a tax-favored savings program for eligible individuals with disabilities to be used to pay qualified disability-related expenses. The act was called the Achieving a Better Life Experience Act, or ABLE. Under the ENABLE program, earnings in the accounts will not be subject to state or federal taxes as long as used for qualified disability-related expenses. Federal benefits will not be jeopardized if assets in a beneficiary's account remain at $100,000 or less. 
To learn about the Enable Savings Plan, visit enablesavings.com, E-N-A-B-L-E-S-A-V-I-N-G-S dot com, or treasurer.nebraska.gov, T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-R dot N-E-B-R-A-S-K-A dot gov, and read the Enable Savings Plan blog. Touch of Genius Prize Have you developed an innovative, accessible product, such as professional or educational software or apps, gaming software, apps that promote tactile and Braille learning, or Braille or tactile-related hardware? If so, consider applying for the Louis Braille Touch of Genius Prize for Innovation. How, you ask? You can do it a couple of different ways. Download the application from www.tougenius.org or send a request to genisprize at nbp.org. Questions may be directed to Zemina Ohopi at 617-266-6160, extension 412. Email applications to genisprize at nbp.org. Your application package should include the application, a brief summary, 600 words or less, an outcome realization document, 10 pages or less, two recommendations mailed by authors to National Braille Press, and a prototype or supporting materials, optional. Applications including a prototype will receive stronger consideration. If you are selected as a finalist, a prototype or video presentation will be requested. Mail your prototype to Touch of Genius Prize for Innovation, National Braille Press, 88 St. Stephen Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02115. All materials submitted must be in an accessible format. Include usage and return instructions with your prototype if applicable. The Adjudication Committee will not review any applications that are not accessible and do not contain all of the above materials. All materials must be received at National Braille Press by January 9, 2017. Envision awards $10,000 prize, presents Atwell Award. Envision has awarded a $10,000 grant to Ava Bittner, OD, PhD, FAAO, Diploma, to study the efficacy of video conferencing as a means to supply low-vision rehabilitation to individuals in remote locations. Dr. Bittner's proposal, Feasibility of Tele-Rehabilitation for Low Vision, was the result of a research proposal development seminar held during the 2015 Envision Conference in Denver and was selected from multiple entries submitted for Envision's inaugural research proposal competition. This year's recipient of the Envision Atwell Award for Research in Low Vision went to Michaela Gobai, a second-year student at the New England College of Optometry in Boston. She was recognized for her research abstract, Clinically Meaningful Outcomes of Low Vision Rehabilitation Provided by a Mobile Clinic, which summarized data she collected for her master's research project during which she measured the outcomes of low-vision rehabilitation 
delivered on the New England Eye on-site mobile clinic. She was the eighth recipient of the annual award. The award is bestowed upon an Association for Research and Vision and Ophthalmology, ARVO, presenter, who is currently a student, postdoctoral researcher, or junior faculty member, with less than five years since earning their last professional degree. SWIFT 4.0 SWIFT 4.0 is no longer a beta test product. It is a free product to enhance your copy of Word and DBT 11.3 SR1. To use it, you need to have DBT 11.3 SR1 and a copy of Microsoft Word 2007 and up. A later update may support Word 2003. What is Swift? It is an application which works within your copy of Word. Using Swift, you can send the current document or a highlighted portion of a document to the Duxbury Braille Translator without having to manually start DBT and use the File Open dialog to load the document. You can also make multiple non-contiguous selections in Word and only open those in DBT. It can send the current Word document translated by DBT directly to the Braille embosser or to an ink printer, too. For more information, visit www.duxburysystems.com or call 978-692-3000. Bookshare titles available in UEB. Bookshare's English titles are now available in UEB. Members can select from a huge variety of leisure, career, and educational books and read them in UEB on compatible reading tools. Bookshare's UEB titles are also an important resource for Braille instructors. Teachers can help students learn how to read with the new Braille code using a wide selection of fun and engaging titles for readers of every age and interest. Bookshare is committed to supporting the transition to UEB and hopes members will take full advantage of the breadth of its collection. For members who wish to continue to read in the previous Braille Code, Bookshare will continue to provide books in English Braille American Edition. In addition, non-English books will continue to be available in their existing formats. Are you ready to get started with UEB on Bookshare? Visit www.bookshare.org slash cms slash node slash numerals 814 for more information. Accessible App Information Have you ever wondered just how accessible some iPhone apps are? Check out www.appplevis.com slash bloggers for the site test new apps and let users know if they are compatible with voiceover. The list of apps developed for blind and low vision users is available at www.appplevis.com slash apps slash iOS hyphen apps hyphen for hyphen blind 
hyphen A-N-D hyphen V-I-S-I-O-N hyphen I-M-P-A-I-R-E-D. It also offers tips on getting started with your new Macintosh, iOS device, or Apple Watch. Interested in individualized businesses I would be interested in hearing from those who are in businesses besides crafts, businesses which are non-computer-related. I do not have a computer. I'd love to hear what people do in business and in their work situations as employees. I'd also love to hear from people with retinopathy of prematurity, as that is what caused my blindness. Please contact Rev. Adelaide Wink in Braille, 59 South Lee Street, Beverly Hills, Florida, 34465-3640, or phone 352-746-3087, and leave a message with your name and telephone number, including area code. New Book by Alice Crespo Alice Crespo has published a new book called Never Be Discouraged, With God All Things Are Possible. It is available as a paperback book and in audio format on a flash drive. If you are interested in a paper copy, visit http colon slash slash b-o-o-k-s-t-o-r-e dot i-n-s-p-i-r-i-n-g-v-o-i-c-e-s dot com slash p-r-o-d-u-c-t-s slash S-K-U hyphen 000662165 slash N-E-V-E-R hyphen B-E hyphen D-I-S-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D dot A-S-P-X. If you'd like it on a flash drive, contact Alice at S-U-N-S-H-I-N-E C-R-E-S-P-O, numeral 1, at AOL.com, or via phone, 917-696-8115. New book by blind author. How would you feel if you were dragged to an alternate earth, blinded, held captive, and determined to be responsible for a disaster that threatens a world? This is what happens when Dr. Malcolm Redborn, a young history teacher, walks into an ordinary bank on an ordinary day. Suddenly, he feels excruciating pain, and unexpectedly he loses his sight and discovers he has been drawn against his will to a slave-holding country on a parallel earth. He doesn't understand a single word of what he hears, but he soon comprehends that he is the focal point in the quest to end a plague that kills three out of four male babies their first year. Branded state property, he must escape, but where can a blind man in a strange world dominated by desperate scientists run? And in a world where polygamy is the norm, how can Renborn adapt into becoming the husband of five independent wives who never expected to be the mothers of a generation of planet hopes carry the genes that will change everything? And that's just part of the story. The Blind Alien, The Beta Earth Chronicles Book One by Wesley Britton, is available in ebook format and will soon be available for Nook devices. 
You can request a copy from Bear Manor Media at www.bearmanormedia.com slash the hyphen blind hyphen alien hyphen the hyphen beta hyphen earth hyphen chronicles hyphen book hyphen one hyphen by hyphen dr hyphen wesley hyphen b-r-i-t-t-o-n or from Amazon at www.amazon.com slash dp slash capital B numerals 015 capital B capital X numeral 2 capital C capital I capital I For more information visit Britain's website www.drweslebritton.com Coffee House Press makes books accessible. Coffee House Press has converted more than 80 of its titles for use with screen readers thanks to a grant administered by VSA Minnesota. Among the titles converted are Prelude to Bruise by Saeed Jones winner of the 2015 Stonewall Book Award, Barbara Gittings Literature Award, and a finalist for the 2015 National Book Critics Circle Award, as well as Dark Sweet by Linda Hogan, which offers readers the sweep of Hogan's work, environmental and spiritual concerns, her Chickasaw heritage, in spare, elemental, visionary language. For more information, contact the company at 612-338-0125. New from National Braille Press. School for the Blind and The Way Love Comes to Me are books of poetry by identical twins Daniel and David Simpson. Their poems speak about their adventures attending a school for the blind and capture intimate and humorous experiences of love and life. Poems contain adult frank language. Both books are combined into one volume, available in UEB Braille or BRF. Amazing Mazes by Tactile Vision Graphics, Incorporated contains 16 tactile mazes. These are a great way to talk about movement, getting lost, and finding your way back again. Mazes progress from easy to difficult. Bunny and Bee Animal Friends, by Sam Williams, is also new. It's a print Braille board book in contracted UEB for babies through preschoolers. Join Bunny and Bee as they walk through the woods and meet a menagerie of adorable new friends. Also new in the children's department is Iggy Peck Architect. It's available in contracted UEB Braille for ages 4 to 10. Iggy loves to build things. His teacher, Miss Greer, isn't interested in architecture and forbids Iggy from expressing himself. And wait till you hear how the story ends. We won't spoil it for you. Visit www.nbp.org slash IC slash NBP slash capital B capital C 
numerals 1604 hyphen, capital I, capital G, capital G, capital Y, dot HTML, for more information. For more information, contact National Braille Press, 88 St. Stephen Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02115-4302, phone 1-800-548-7323, or look online at www.nbp.org slash ic slash nbp slash p-u-b-l-i-c-a-t-i-o-n-s slash i-n-d-e-x dot h-t-m-l. High Tech Swap Shop For sale, OtterBox case for iPhone 5 or 5S, asking $40 or best offer, including shipping. Mophie Juice Pack case for iPhone 5 or 5S includes earphone adapter, phone power charge cord, original box, and print instructions. Asking $90 or best offer, including shipping. Contact Monty Caselius at 715-579-9182 afternoons or evenings or email normaltown at yahoo.com. For sale, Pebble Mini, never been used, never taken out of the box, comes with all original parts, asking $300. Contact Amanda Wilson at M-O-O-N-R-O-C-K-S at B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. For sale, Index Basic V4 Braille Embosser with Duxbury Braille Translation Program. In excellent condition, never been used. Fits nicely on a desktop. It has speech output and can print double-sided. Comes with all original cables. Willing to include a case of Braille paper. Asking $2,900, including shipping. Contact Kayla Richardson at K-A-Y-L-A-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N 0590 at com. Wanted. Two-track cassette player. Contact Mark Brotigam at 614-224-1203. ACB Officers. President Kim Charlson, second term, 2017. 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. First Vice President Jeff Tom, second term, 2017. 7414 Mooncrest Way, Sacramento, California, 95831-4046. Second Vice President, John McCann, first term, 2017. 8761 East Placita Boulevard, Tucson, Arizona, 85715-5650. Secretary, Ray Campbell, Second term, 2017, 460 Rain Tree Court, number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Treasurer, Carla Rushevel, third term, 2017, 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. Immediate past president, 
Mitch Pomerantz, 1115 Cordova Street, number 402, Pasadena, California, 91106. ACB Board of Directors, Jeff Bishop, Tucson, Arizona, Partial Term, 2016. Burl Colley, Lacey, Washington, Final Term, 2016. Sarah Conrad, Stevensville, Michigan, First Term, 2016. Katie Frederick, Worthington, Ohio, First Term, 2018. Michael Garrett, Missouri City, Texas, Final Term, 2016. George Holliday, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Final Term, 2018. Alan Peterson, Horace, North Dakota, Final Term, 2018. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, First Term, 2018. Dan Spoon, Orlando, Florida, First Term, 2016. David Trott, Talladega, Alabama, First Term, 2018. Ex-officio, Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia. ACB Board of Publications, Denise Colley, Chairman, Lacey Washington, Second Term, 2017. Ron Brooks, Phoenix, Arizona, Second Term, 2017. Tom Mitchell, Salt Lake City, Utah, First Term, 2016. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, First Term, 2016. Judy Wilkinson, San Leandro, California, First Term, 2016. Ex-officios, Katie Frederick, Worthington, Ohio. Bob Hache, Waltham, Massachusetts. Burl Colley, Lacey Washington. Carla Rushevel, Louisville, Kentucky. Accessing your ACB Braille and e-forums. The ACB e-forum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the web page in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 605-475-8154. To subscribe to the email version, visit the ACB email lists page at www.acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail in Braille, large print, half-speed four-track cassette tape, data CD, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone, 605-475-8154. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from http colon slash slash www.acb.org slash bf slash.